When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Big Tilt Roto Underworld DFS podcast, where we're going to give you all the plays for my favorite week of the DFS season, week two, the knee jerk reaction week. I'm your co-host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand. And of course, I'm here with the mad scientist, the wizard himself, Josh Larkey. Follow him on Twitter at JLarkeyTweets. Mr. Larkey, welcome back again. Mike, I'm very excited for this. I think this is going to be the the new highlight of my Fridays is just <laughs> the afternoon hits. We we have a pretty good grip on the injury situations. We have a good grip on our lineups. I'm ready for this. And thanks to Underdog Fantasy for sponsoring this podcast. Can't do it without the dogs at Underdog. Let's dive in. Keep barking at the dogs, folks. Underdog, we love them here in the underworld. We're going to start as we always do, folks. We're going to start with the injury report and news. Then we will get into some individual games. And Josh will let you in on certain stacks and plays that we like and don't like. With the injury report, Jets' Keelan Cole is practicing. Jamison Crowder is active on the COVID list just in time for the big battle with the Patriots. Yeah, not too much here. I think just it kind of clouds a little bit of this target share. I'm not as interested in the Jets this week. Last week, I really liked them because we knew it was going to be more consolidated. We saw those targets funnel to Corey Davis. With Crowder back, that muddies Elijah Moore's role. It just kind of hurts everybody in general because we really like those consolidated target shares for DFS. So I think that just really hurts this, this Jets offense from a DFS perspective. Next up, the Browns. Josh, you and I have gone back and forth about how videos of players working out or making catches probably does not matter. I was stacking OBJ earlier before week one. Then he comes out to warm up and he is declared not active against the Chiefs. Now he's out again. Clearly, this is a deeper issue, injury issue than we realized. Yeah, it's really, it's not good. Uh, I talked with Matt this morning about it. And he had some nice choice words to say about OBJ in this situation. It's not looking good. From a DFS perspective, this really opens up Anthony Schwartz. He's going to be running all the routes once again. He was number 10 in the NFL in air yards, even though he missed training camp with an injury as a third round, supposedly gadget wide receiver. 3,300. He's an Olympic sprinter fast. He actually had been training for the Olympics. And against this feckless Texans defense, I'm very excited about Schwartz. So I don't think that really moves the needle for too many other players. But once again, he will be getting a very heavy snap share. We're going to head down to Miami to take a look at the bill. Zach Moss inactive last week. Is he going to be active this week? I'm curious. 
Matt Breda comes into play, of course. He can hit a home run. Gabe Davis was limited with an ankle injury. And folks, don't forget about Emmanuel Sanders. He saw 93% of the snaps compared to 51% for Davis. But looks like there's some uncertainty in Buffalo. Yeah, I think the move here is you have to find a way to cram Emmanuel Sanders and his very inexpensive salary into your lineups. He had either eight or nine, I forget, it was eight or nine targets last week. He also, just like Schwartz, top 10 in the NFL in air yards. Believe he was in the 170s, if I remember off the top of my head. He just didn't happen to have the fantasy points, but the usage was there, the routes were there. And if you're looking for that inexpensive field stretcher, Emmanuel Sanders has to be in your consideration. Manny Sanders, eight targets, four receptions, 52 yards, 13 yards per reception last week against the Steelers. Saints, COVID abounds. It's knocking out coaches left and right. Marshall and Lattimore, his hand certainly worth monitoring as well. This is an interesting game because if you want to talk knee-jerk reactions, Josh, Saints look tremendous. They crushed the Packers. Now they go against division rival Carolina. There could be some COVID issues. Second game on the road. They can't be home, of course, because of Hurricane Ida. Thoughts here on the Saints? The only real thought I have on the Saints is that hopefully this Marshall and Lattimore news makes fewer people play the Saints defense in DFS because Mm. if the Saints can shut down the Green Bay Packers to zero touchdowns, On the road, when it's their first game trying to figure out all the stuff with the Hurricane and where they're going to be relocated to, just imagine this cake matchup with Sam Darnold. (laughs) And I love that Sam Darnold had the one or two yard rushing touchdown last week to have to boost his fantasy points because now everyone's like, oh, Sam Darnold, he's good again. Look at those fantasy points just because he happened to punch it in from the one yard line. He also had the, the fumble in the red zone. This is, I am very excited for the Saints defense, who's actually kind of a mid-priced option on both sides. And I know that it's not a sexy thing to talk about the defense special team spot, but the the Saints were already a very attractive option just week to week after you see what happened with Green Bay. You have to play them with Darnold now. And what's interesting is I liked Darnold a little bit more than you last week, and I felt good at the half. But Josh, second half, what do you have, 40 passing yards? I think he had like 230 in the first half. I have visions of hitting 500. All of a sudden, we're doing nothing in the second half. I feel like the clock struck 12, but at least he got the rushing touchdown in before the wheels fell off. Very good. Next, the Raiders. This is a big one. Raiders going to Pittsburgh, and we will talk more about this game in a little bit. Josh Jacobs now ruled out of this game, so that's going to put Kenyon Drake into play. Marcus Mariota also, Josh, has to be the most valuable one play that we've ever seen a player do. Up the gut for 30 yards, now he's missing multiple weeks with a quad injury. So I think that obviously Kenyon Drake is going to be in a lot of people's DFS lineups right now. I think the the one, this is, a, this is mainly a tournament show, but a good cash game takeaway is that if you're looking for a nice team hedge, the Kenyon Drake, Darren Waller hedge and cash looks really phenomenal now. Both are at very good salaries, and this could end up being 45, 50% of the targets in Las Vegas. You hear that noise, Josh? That's Darren Waller getting another target against the Ravens on, on Monday night. So if the Ravens can't limit him, I don't know why you'd be worried about the Steelers. I mean, it looks like he gets his no matter what. Another thing that broke today, down in Miami, Will Fuller is out and a lot of murky uncertainty as to the reason. Head coach Brian Flores did not elaborate, but I don't know. It doesn't sound like COVID. It sounds like something else. It sounds like he's going to be out for a while. Yeah, I think this is pretty serious because 
If this was a more casual personal issue, then he would have attended to that last week when he was already suspended. So that makes me very concerned about the rest of season outlook for Will Fuller because now he's missing two games. That's two games where he doesn't have time to build rapport with Tua. They've never played together because he was a free agent acquisition. And I think this really opens up Jalen Waddle in DFS once again, which is so fun, very inexpensive. And just, it's always nice to have a few of these wide receivers we can have real conviction with who we think are talented because yes, there's the quote unquote free square receivers that open up each week, but it's nice when you can pair that with actual talent and you know that the routes will be there. You know that the report looks like it's there. They played together in college to it in Waddle. They connected for the touchdown week one. I say it's wheels up once again, week two. Yeah, it certainly means good things for Jalen Waddell. It also means good things for Devontae Parker, who had seven targets, seven for Parker, six for Waddle, five for Miles Gaston, three for Salvin Ahmed, and even two for Durham Smythe, who caught a catch, who had one catch, which Mike Gusecki did not. So it's wheels down for Gusecki, that's for sure. Up to Seattle, Chris Carson has one of the most secure roles in the NFL. Rashard Penny out for a few weeks with a calf injury. I guess next man up would be Alex Collins, but to me, this just means Chris Carson, man. Security and opportunity. Yeah, I would agree with that. Chris Carson's role is looking very secure. The The deep league stash would be DJ Dallas, who we know has delivered in DFS in the past. So keep an eye on him in your deeper leagues. And in two, three, four, five weeks, when Chris Carson most likely has some kind of overuse injury like he usually does, You'll probably hear us talking a little DJ Dallas, so just keep that on the radar. But Rashad Penny, at least for this game, not not too much fantasy relevance other than just ensuring Carson will get the 80% plus opportunity share once again. The game of the week two slate for DFS, Dallas and the Chargers. Cowboys going to be without Demarcus Lawrence, important piece on the defensive line, broken foot for a while, less of a pass rush at home against Justin Herbert. I mean, we already loved this game to begin with. And it's just shaping up for such a nice shootout because we know that Dak Prescott is an elite NFL quarterback. He shredded the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. And I know the Chargers have good defense too, but we said that about the Bucks. And then sure enough, Dak Prescott was an absolute surgeon. Herbert, if we were, not that we're worried about him, but slightly smaller track record than Dak. And it's just really good to know that we're looking like we have those primed shootout conditions. Herbert had the clean jersey last week, even against Washington. And Cowboys losing Lawrence, this is just, it's really shaping up for four, five, six second drop back, surveying the field, maybe a little Jalen Guyton deep pass for the most inefficient field stretcher out there. We'll see what happens. But I think this just improves the the likelihood of the shootout with the Cowboys losing their pass rush. Call it the 2021 version of Tecmo Bowl. He's going to be dropping back and firing it downfield, both teams. I'd like to officially pause and congratulate the Falcons. This could be their biggest accomplishment of the entire year. No one listed on the injury report as they head to Tampa Bay. Not much fantasy relevance here, but good for them. I'm glad they really needed this after what was a horrific showing against the Philadelphia Eagles, who I don't think anyone thinks is a legitimate contender in any form. So, the Falcons really needed this because they've got a tall task on their hands facing the Bucks this week. And then the Chargers going back with the Cowboys. A slot cornerback, Chris Harris, has a shoulder injury. Could be relevant against Mr. C.D. Lamb. 
Yeah, I'm actually kind of curious how many slot snaps CeeDee Lamb will get versus what they're going to be doing with Cedric Wilson. But either way, this just helps all the Cowboys receivers. Cooper gets slot snaps. Lamb gets slot snaps. It's, once again, just improving the shootout potential for this game. All right, let's not bury the lead any longer. Let's talk about those Cowboys and the Chargers. Chargers favored by three and a half. The total's 55, one of the highest, if not the highest, by the time we get to Sunday on the slate, 425 p.m. on CBS. So many options here, Josh. Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott on a bounce back, Cooper Lamb for the Chargers. We have Justin Herbert, Eckler, who did not have a reception last week. I'm sure that's going to change this week. Death Taxes and Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Jared Cook, if you're interested. Tell us, Mr. Larkey, what is the play here in this bonanza of points between the Chargers and Cowboys? So I think if you're, we're trying to get different because yes, we could play just your, your, everyone's favorite Cowboys, Chargers, little basic stack. But what most people aren't going to be doing is such a full game onslaught. And I don't usually like doing a total full game onslaught because it can often hurt your, the ceiling of your lineup. But I think this is one of the cases where this game just has so much shootout potential that I think it's totally viable to go Dak, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, all in the same lineup, and that you're allowed to have, I'm giving you permission, you can have five, if you want to get a tight end involved, you could even have six guys from this one game in your lineup. They're all fairly reasonably priced, so I like them all. I mean, Zeke is just grossly mispriced on DraftKings at 6200 It's actually kind of disrespectful to the man. So I think that he's a nice run back option if you want to go Herbert, Allen, Williams, Herbert, Allen, Cook. You can run it back with Zeke. You could run it back with Zeke and Cooper, Zeke and Lamb. I don't think any of these combinations are off limits. I think the only, I guess the only one I wouldn't be doing is I wouldn't pair Dak and Zeke. I know sometimes people think, oh, but what if the running back catches the touchdown pass? Yes, that can happen. However, if you want that, just go with Herbert and Eckler, knowing that Eckler is most likely going to bounce back from the the donut in the reception column that he had. None of us are expecting that to be Eckler's role. He is not going to be a 15-carry-a-game plotter with no targets. That was just a week one thing. Remember week one last year when Eckler had pretty much no passing game usage and then he bounced back with, I believe it was 30-something DraftKings points. Good point. That next week, so... I'm not concerned at all. We know that he's an elite pass catching back. But yeah, I don't think there's a wrong way to play this. I think Prescott, Zeke, Cooper, Lamb, they're all on the menu. You can even throw in Cedric Wilson and Dalton Schultz if you need to save salary. And then Herbert Eckler, Allen, Mike Williams, Jared Cook, and even Jalen Guyton. Jalen Guyton, I even think, is kind of a unique play that you can sneak into your lineup. He's only 3,100 on DraftKings. And I do not like Jalen Guyton. I've made... This is very clear in a lot of tweets. I've podcasted about it. He was so horribly inefficient last season. Doesn't matter. They cut Tyron Johnson and third-round rookie Josh Palmer was not utilized at all. He had one target. He did not get the snaps. He did not get the routes. Those all went to Guyton. So he is your sneaky play. If you don't like Anthony Schwartz and you're looking for that cheap receiver, you can go with Guyton and Cedric Wilson. Excellent point. Last week, Keenan Allen, 13 targets, Mike Williams, 12, Jared Cook, 8, Guyton had 5. Very important. Palmer only had 1. There's just so many options in this game. 
Folks, Dallas's pass defense allowed 35.6 fantasy points last week to wide receivers. That was the sixth most in the league and second most generous last year, all of last season, to opposing wide receivers. Mike Williams in a contract year. He certainly got off to a great start. He's in the fifth-year option, so he's going to want to perform. They are attacking all over the place. And please do not Galaxy bring this. Rich Rebar brought this up and then, of course, you know, went against it, but said he does have to point out that some people are saying in those six starts Dak made last year, Cowboys averaged in their, with their opponents over 67 points per game. The Cowboys and their opponents when Dak has started, 60 or more points in five of those games. Yes, they did face Brandon Staley's defense to start last year against the Rams, and it was only 2017. But, Josh, it's hard for me to think that if someone's going to win a big tournament, they're not going to have major representation in this game. Yeah, I, I think you just... I know everyone's going to be playing this game, but we've already given you the ways to be different. There's Guyton, there's Wilson. You can just go a full game onslaught. You have to get exposure to this. And then one salary note that I think is interesting, Mike Williams is only 5,600 on FanDuel. So if you look at DraftKings, Keenan Allen is 900 more than Mike Williams. But then when you go to to FanDuel, Keenan Allen is 1,800 more than Williams. So that's kind of a unique salary discrepancy. Usually you will not see it quite that pronounced platform to platform. So Mike Williams is just so easy to fit into any type of lineup on FanDuel. And you mentioned about Herbert. We're going to win on the margins in DFS. Very rare are you going to find like a QB 15 in price that ends up being a top three QB. That's hard to do. But Justin Herbert is QB8 on FanDuel. So you're getting some nice value there that you can save and go to other positions on a guy who could be the QB1. And one more stat of note, at home, Keenan Allen last year with Herbert, 9.9 receptions, over 100 yards, 0.6 touchdowns, almost 14 targets, and 23.3 PPR fantasy points per game. Folks, sit back, get your popcorn, and enjoy this battle. Now let's go to a different type of game, Josh, Denver and Jacksonville. I have to tell you, from a gambling perspective, this one has me a little worried because it almost seems too easy to pick Denver. Jacksonville coming off getting shredded by Tyrod Taylor and the Texans with really Farrow Cooper being the second biggest pass, uh, receiving option for Houston. But here come the Broncos. No Jerry Judy. Bridgewater, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, bunch of options, KJ Hamler, Noah fans, and the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence did garbage time his way to three touchdowns. DJ Chark was second among all wide receivers in air yards. Visca, we love. Where do you see the DFS value here in Denver, Jacksonville? I think the Denver side is the most appealing just because, yes, the Jaguars put up so many fantasy points, but it was also such a unique game script. And it's not every day that you're losing to the Texans by three or more touchdowns. Also, Trevor Lawrence, if you look at his raw pass attempts, it's not it's not sustainable. And I think what we want to look at here is that the Broncos now have a more consolidated target share and that you have Cortland Sutton, who's only 5,200 on DK, 6,200 on FanDuel, KJ Hamler, 3,800 on DraftKings. It's pretty, pretty incredible. He could run the second most routes out of anybody on that team. And then... If you're wondering how could you ever get off Darren Waller when he's in the 7,000 range and there's no other alpha tight ends on the slate, the answer is Noah Fant. 4,200 DraftKings, 5,700 FanDuel. I I mean, I was, I was so out on Fant at his ADP during redraft. And yes, I'm probably going to eat my words because of this Jerry Judy injury. But you know what? We pivot quickly. 
everything that I have said about Noah Fant that is negative, you can throw that out the window because what did I not like about Noah Fant in the summer? I didn't like that he looked like the obvious number three on his team and that when you want those big boom weeks from a tight end, you want them to be the number one or two in the offense. Guess what? Noah Fant is now the number two in the offense with 99th percentile athleticism. I think Sutton and Fant especially are just smash plays in this matchup when you're looking for one-offs. You can get it with a little skinny correlation with Shark, Chenault, Jones. I think they're all reasonably priced, but I think the the two guys that caught my eye the most would be Sutton and Fant. Yeah, Fant is eighth on DK, fifth tight end most expensive on FanDuel. We just saw Farrell Brown go four for 67 against the Jaguars. He's in a great spot. I think Hamler, you touched on it, is mini Deshaun Jackson. I know Teddy Bridgewater didn't take a lot of shots downfield, but he definitely could get a lot more targets than we're used to. Do you have a thought on Javante and Melvin? Because Melvin, before that 70-yard touchdown, he doesn't have that run, Josh. He's 11 attempts for 31 yards, and both had a 50-50 snap share. Do you lean one way or another there? So in these situations, I'll pretty much always lean towards the rookie just because their role is a little less certain. It would absolutely shock me if Melvin Gordon took over this backfield in Week 2. But it wouldn't shock me if Melvin Gordon, once again, is inefficient getting two yards of carry and they turn to Javante and ride the hot hand more. It's much less likely that they're just going to let Javante ride the pine and give 70% of the opportunities to Gordon. Also, Javante is just, especially on DraftKings, he's $1,500 cheaper than Melvin Gordon. So really like Javante. If you're going to play a running back, he's probably going to carry very low ownership. I don't expect a lot of people to play him, just especially with the Kenyon Drake opening up at 4,900 with the Jacobs news. Javante is kind of a nice way if you're looking for 4,400 for your running back on DraftKings. Let's head up to the Emerald City. I think this is a sneaky, sneaky DFS stack because no one is talking about Tennessee. They get blown out at home by Arizona. Now they're playing Seattle. Big win, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. 54-point game total. Seattle's favored by almost a touchdown, 6.5, 425 on CBS on Sunday. Tannehill, ninth quarterback on DK, 11th most expensive on FanDuel. Thoughts on Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio. And, of course, for Seattle, I I certainly think you can make a rationale to use someone on Seattle, but I think the more popular stack will be Russ and Lockett or Russ and Metcalf or even a double stack. I don't know if anyone's going to go Tannehill and A.J. Brown, and I'm kind of leaning that way. What say you? I'm still leaning with Russ just because of what we saw where week one happens, and Kyler Murray, who is not that great of a passer, He's largely average to actually below average if you look at his efficiency stats. And he just absolutely torched the Titans. So because of that, I just, there's no way for me to get off Russ in this matchup. I'm going to have some Russ Lockett stacks, going to have some Russ Metcalf. The way to get a little more unique is to throw in the double stack and get Gerald Everett involved, especially because Eskridge might be out of this game. And I understand Everett, the routes weren't necessarily there. But with Eskridge on the fence and banged up in the concussion protocol, great chance for both Disley and Everett to get more run. And Everett just so much more athletic. So I, I think he's unique here and kind of interesting. On the Titans side, yeah, you can go right back to Tannehill Brown or Tannehill Jones. I think Henry's a, a suitable run back option with any type of Seahawks stack. However, I am not actually as interested in Henry. I'd rather play Tannehill Brown and Julio. 
And that's because there are just so many good receiving options and so many potential shootouts on this slate. And I don't really want to tie up too much money in the running back position this week. So I I will rarely ever have like the full on big dog fade because we know what he can do. We've seen him break slate after slate, but I don't think this is as good of a week to play him. I'd rather target those Titans pass catchers on that side. Especially because the way Henry pays off is by getting multiple touchdowns and a ton of carries. I guess you would have to feel that the Titans were going to be leading in this game or their defense, which I find hard to believe is going to limit the Seahawks offense to keep it close. But in any other scenario where the Seahawks are putting points up or the Titans have to get up early in order to to, uh, keep a lead and then all of a sudden here come the Seahawks back, I just don't see the game scenario where Henry's going to pay off at 8,300 on DK, 8,000 on FanDuel. I'd much rather go, and you mentioned Everett. I mean, he's 3.6 on DK and 5,000 even on FanDuel. This one is going to have points. We talked about Chris Carson. Carson, thoughts on him. He is 14th on DraftKings, 11th on FanDuel. I mean, so damn secure. We didn't see a lot of Arizona running back production because they were throwing all over the place but uh, against Tennessee. But what do you think about Carson this week? I think Carson's a viable play this week. I'm not quite as excited about him just because there's other guys in sort of that same salary range like Zeke, Najee Harris, who I think have similar roles. They're just, I think they're a little bit more explosive than Carson is at this point. But again, very secure role. I think Carson's a little bit better in cash games if you're looking for a cash game running back that's not Zeke or Harris in that price range. But I think he's also tournament viable. We did see him have several receiving touchdowns last season. So we know that he can do it. So yeah, I'm I'm not super bullish on him like uh, it seems like you are, but I like Carson. I think he's fine. Great role. And yeah, the, the Seahawks are favored by about a touchdown. So very likely that we see a lot of Chris Carson in the second half. Only caution I have with Carson is the two big fumble watches from last week are obviously Damian Harris, but also Chris Carson who fumbled and no one talked about it. So he's got to make sure he holds on to that ball. Also want to drop this little nugget in. Last year, DK Metcalf at home in the eight games, 5.8 receptions, 87.8 yards, and a touchdown per home game average last year, 20.5 PPR fantasy points per game. On the road, he's a little bit worse, 13.6 with the fantasy points and a lot less with the touchdown. So I expect a DK bounce back here, but Lockett's certainly viable as well. Another fun game for the DFS slate. Metcalf is actually cheaper than Lockett on FanDuel. Yep, that's correct. I couldn't believe that. So I think that's just a fun little wrinkle. Metcalf more expensive than Lockett on DraftKings, but on FanDuel for I think the first time that I can remember since uh, it must have been early 2020. It must have been... Uh, like week two or week three was probably the last time last year when Lockett was actually more expensive than Metcalf. So this is kind of fun on FanDuel. Again, FanDuel with the scoring, it's half PPR. There's no yardage bonuses. You're chasing touchdowns. Who better to do that with than DK Metcalf? A FanDuel knee-jerk reaction pricing for the knee-jerk reaction week two here in the NFL. Sounds perfect to me. (laughs) Minnesota, Arizona, another sneaky one because Pavlov's dogs will say, Cardinals are going to roll. They dominated Tennessee. Minnesota lost to Cincinnati. Now, Minnesota is suffering with some injuries across the board as well on both sides of the ball. But this has a 50.5 total. Arizona only by three and a half, one o'clock on Fox. We talked last week about sometimes the underdog quarterback in a close matchup on the road because people who gravitate to Murray could be under owned. 
Kirk Cousins, I believe we're not looking at much ownership on Kirk Cousins. You have Dak, you have Herbert, you have Kyler Murray. I mean, there's so many different options. He's 6.2 in DK, 7.4 in FanDuel. Dalvin Thielen had the two touchdowns last week. Jefferson, I'd be curious to hear what you think about KJ Osborne. Please don't mention Chris Herndon. I'm not talking about him. <laughs> Cardinals, <laughs> Kyler Murray, and we'll get into Chase Edmonds, who we both absolutely love. Hopkins, uh, Christian Kirk, and Rondell Moore. So break it down here. Another game that I think is going to fly under the Cowboy Charger radar that could have some big fantasy production. So as I mentioned last episode, when a quarterback is facing another quarterback that has an incredibly high fantasy points projection, which Kirk Cousins fits the bill. He is a quarterback facing Kyler Murray, who has a massive fantasy points projection. These guys significantly more often than not absolutely crush whatever their fantasy points projection is because they get thrust into a game environment where they're trailing and the, yes, the other quarterback is scoring a lot of fantasy points and then it becomes the other guy's turn to do the same. And then the other thing that you want with these more stationary QBs like Cousins, aside from just facing what looks like a very strong offense, is you want a consolidated target share where you know where it, the ball is going. And we know that the ball is going to be going to Thielen, and the ball is going to be going to Jefferson. We know that Conklin's going to be involved at tight end. Osborne, his role is still up in the air. I think that he's viable more so on DraftKings just because the way that the pricing scale works, those fringe receivers end up being more appealing on DraftKings than on FanDuel. However, I'm still not that interested in Osborne. Maybe he will burn me in that this was not a flash in the pan. However, Herndon... It's gross. He might be more involved because he was such a late (laughs) preseason like acquisition that he could get more involved. We know that historically the Vikings do want to run more of those two tight end sets, but I like Cousins with uh, Thielen or Jefferson. I think those are interesting. I think a sneaky way to play this game is to have Dalvin Cook with the Vikings defense. Oh, okay. I understand Arizona's favored and they smash the Titans. But there is a chance, It again, we've only had one week. We do know that historically the Vikings have had some pretty good defenses these last few years. And we do know with a large sample size, if, we just, if you just exclude the one week that Kyler Murray faced the absolutely dreadful Titans secondary, Kyler Murray has not been a great NFL quarterback when it comes to throwing the ball. I think that you get some nice leverage as well if you go cook with the Vikings defense. The Vikings defense is basically free on DraftKings. They're 2,100. And that's a nice way to kind of exploit that everyone's overreacted to Murray. Suddenly, Kyler Murray is the the 2021 MVP. I'm not buying it. I will be playing some Murray as well, of course. He's in just an incredible spot. However, I think you also want to be able to play multiple angles of this game. So yes, you can play Kyler with Hopkins, Kyler with Kirk, Kyler with Moore. But don't forget about that Vikings defense if you're trying to save salary and pay up elsewhere. Yeah, the Vikings defense, I love that play because what we know in DFS is that we don't know. And that if it was so predictable, everyone would be splitting the million every single week. And that's not the case. Vikings are well coached, disappointing first game. Could have won that game, was tied late. Now they do have some injuries, but would it shock me if Kyler Murray and the Cardinals struggle? Absolutely not. And you know that the obvious play here is going to be Murray with Hopkins or Murray with Hopkins and Kirk or Hopkins and Moore which is why I, myself, and the Podfather are aligned on Chase Edmonds. 
He's going to have one of those seven, eight reception games with 70 yards and multiple touchdowns. And it could be this game. It could be the Cardinals winning and Chase Edmonds being the catalyst when no one is on him after last week's sort of blah performance with James Conner. Yeah, so I like how you said blah performance because that's what everyone's talking about. Everyone's just like, oh, like Edmonds was fine. Right. People need to wake up. He had over 100 total yards. Right. So everyone talking about Chase Edmonds and, oh, no, he's in this tiny, he's in this little itty-bitty role. He had a pretty large role to me. All four of his targets were in the first half before the game got completely out of control. So if Chase Edmonds in the worst game script possible for a pass-catching running back can still have over 100 total yards in the game, just think what could happen if the game script is not Cardinals up by three touchdowns at all times in the game. Chase Edmonds is an incredible way to play this game. And I'll go back to the Kenyon Drake injury, or the Kenya, the Josh Jacobs injury with Kenyon Drake. That is phenomenal. Everyone is going to be playing Kenyon Drake at 4,900 on DraftKings. Chase Edmonds is also 4,900 on DraftKings. He's more explosive. I think he's in a, just a much better position in his career than Kenyon Drake. He's on a much better offense than Kenyon Drake. So I'm not fading Kenyon Drake by any means. I will have some Kenyon Drake lineups, but... Edmonds just becomes even more appealing with that Jacobs injury because everyone's going to talk about Kenyon Drake without realizing what that opens up for Edmonds on top of the likely better game script for him this week. Love the pivoting off the former Cardinal Drake to the current Cardinal Edmonds. (laughs) And the game flow matters. Chase Edmonds, 5.3 yards per carry last week against Tennessee. When the Cardinals were up big, they gave it to James Conner. So don't look at that box score and say, well, Edmonds only carried it 12 times and Conner carried it 16 times. If this becomes the shootout that Josh and I think it could be, then all of a sudden those four targets for 43 yards and 63 yards rushing could be 20 yards more, 30 yards more, three more receptions. And he gets in the end zone. That is a much better pivot than Kenyon Drake going up against the Steel Curtain in Pittsburgh. Another one I want to get your your take on, NFC South matchup. Falcons, we mentioned, with their totally healthy roster, although a terrible performance in week one, go down to Tampa Bay to play the Bucs coming off long rest after their opening last-second win over Dallas. Matt Ryan, very low. Mike Davis, 5,500 on both sites. Calvin Ridley was hot on that first drive, had like three receptions, and then was invisible rest of the game. Kyle Pitts, for the most part, was disappointing, got outproduced by Hayden Hurst for the Bucs. Brady, of course, I'll ask you about your first love, Rojo, Leonard Fournette, Godwin, Antonio Brown, Evans, and what do you do with Gronk coming off the two touchdown game? So break it down, Mr. Larkey. Falcons, Tampa Bay, totals 52 points, but the spread is Tampa Bay minus 12 and a half. Yeah, this one's very, very fun. I'm going to have a lot of exposure to this game. Love Tom Brady. He is my absolute, if, if you're going to take a statue quarterback, you cannot find a better one than Brady because a few reasons. One, We know Brady's incredibly talented on his own right. We know he has elite receiving options. And we know that the Buccaneers pass the ball well above the league average, regardless of game script. Even if they're up big, Tom Brady will likely still be passing the ball. And you love that in this kind of game with just this absolutely horrible Falcons defense that made Jalen Hurts look like 2019 Lamar Jackson. You love to see it. If we just start quickly on the Falcons side, there's two guys I'm most interested in. Calvin Ridley, who saw his price drop a little bit on both sites. And then Kyle Pitts, whose price rose a little, but is still not that high. And I really like Kyle Pitts. Yes, he may have been quote-unquote outproduced by Hurst. However, Kyle Pitts ran more routes 
than Hurst. He ran more routes than Russell Gage. He tied with Calvin Ridley with eight targets, which was a 27% target share for a rookie tight end in week one. He was second in the team in air yards behind Calvin Ridley. This is looking, at least after one week, like a 1A, 1B situation with Ridley and Pitts. But there's the massive price discrepancy between the two, and Pitts can take up your tight end slot. I think Pitts is a great runback option for those Brady lineups that I know I'm going to be fitting in. And I don't think you can go wrong here. Every single Buccaneer that you mentioned is viable. Rojo, maybe a little less so just because... Uh, he seems like he, he might still be in the doghouse. I know he was supposedly named the starter, but then Arians also quickly said that both Fournette and Gio are also the starters. So whatever that means. I think that the, the running back play here, I'd, I'd still lean Fournette over Ronald Jones. I think the, the role is going to be more secure week to week. And I don't think a lot of people are going to be playing Fournette this week. With Brady and his pass catchers, I think you choose two and roll with them. And I think you can take two of Godwin, Brown, Evans, and Gronk, and that's your day. Run it back with Ridley or Pitts. And that's a nice way to start building in a very high-powered offensive lineup right there. So I don't know if I have a a huge preference between the pass catchers. One thing to note is the price difference with Godwin. I think we both noticed this pretty quickly was that Godwin is 6,600 on DraftKings. Evans is 6,100, Brown, 6,000. So they're all very similar. But then on FanDuel, Godwin is 8,000. Crazy. Evans, 67. Brown, 6,400. So Godwin, a little bit less attractive on FanDuel. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But especially on DraftKings, where these salaries are a lot closer together, I think you just pick two of them and roll with it. It's unlikely all three hit. So I think I would just take my two. And I'm going to be getting a lot of variety with which two I choose. I have been very outward on Twitter about I did not like Kyle Pitts, the the pick, and I did not envision him having a great year. However, every game is its own separate entity. I love Kyle Pitts coming into this game. If I told you that the prior tight end against a team had nine catches for 65 yards, you would say it's a good matchup. Well, that's what Dalton Jarwin or Blake Schultz, because I'm convinced they're one person, had combined against Tampa Bay. I think it's a great spot for Pitts. They're going to be throwing the ball like crazy. He did not have a big performance, so ownership's going to be low. Couldn't agree with you more there. And you have to notice the price difference, folks. If you're going to go for someone, I don't know how I can rationalize spending 8K on Chris Godwin on FanDuel over Mike Mike Evans' bounce back, which should definitely happen, or Antonio Brown, who was the best receiver on on the field for them in week one. Agree completely. Uh, A couple more games I'll throw at you, and then we'll get out of here, sir. How about the Rams Colts? I bring this up because the Rams are a slight favorite, three and a half points on the road at Indy. Totals 48 and a half points, one o'clock. We just saw David Montgomery rush all over the Rams defense. What is Jonathan Taylor going to do? He's 7.2 on both sides. And Naeem Hines, we talked about this last week and we nailed it. We said he is absolutely going to be involved. And he was. They signed the extension 4.7 on DK, 5.1 on FanDuel. Not only did Monty do well, but so did Damian Williams. If they get down big, they're going to have to pass against the Rams defense for the Rams, Stafford, Henderson, and my first love, Cooper Cup. Fantastic game. Bobby Trees, also solid, and Tyler Higby. So talk here about the Rams-Colts. I expect a big performance from the Colts who don't want to go 0-2, even though they're in a division with the Jaguars and Texans. Yeah, I think that you really nailed it. The The Colts that, we are, that we're targeting are the running backs. We saw both of them rack up six catches 
in week one with some negative game script probably going to happen again. That Rams team just looks fierce on both sides of the ball. So I, I fully expect the Rams to be running away with this one. And I think that's normally you would say, oh, that's probably not going to be good for Jonathan Taylor because we have Naheem Hines. Well, it turns out that when you're Carson Wentz, your skills are eroding and you can't make those downfield throws, every running back on your team becomes a potential target. And I really like that Jonathan Taylor's price has declined. It was a less palatable 8,000 on DraftKings last week, down to 7,200 this week, even though he showed us that he can get six catches and command those targets. I think Taylor and Hines are viable. I'm going to lean Taylor just because you want to get as many fantasy points as possible from each position, and his upside is just enormous. On the Rams side, I really like Cooper Cup. For some reason... He's about the same price as Woods on both sides, even though he was running more routes than Woods. Woods almost looked like he became the the third, maybe even fourth option on that offense, at least in week one behind Cup and Higby and Van Jefferson. So a little bit concerned with Woods. You could play him kind of as a nice leverage bounce back opportunity. Maybe it's a week one overreaction. However, I also think it's a good opportunity for us to just double down on Cooper Cup, who displayed the chemistry and looked phenomenal and is just so easy to fit in your lineup on both sites. 6,000 DraftKings, 6,200 on FanDuel. And this is one of my favorite skinny correlations of the week. Whatever your lineup is, if you can fit it in, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, slam those two together and you're looking at 50 potential points out of those two spots and they're correlated. Not quite as interested in uh, Wentz this week. So on first mover, I talked about how I was, I thought I I might play a little Wentz. Well, here we are four days later. I'm letting you know, I don't expect to play any Carson Wentz this week. I think if you're attacking this game, that you should do it on the Stafford side. Wentz just did not look like he's capable of sustaining multiple receiving fantasy options. You could could play some Pascal if you wanted to, if you want to chase the touchdowns and the, the usage that he had. But I really think that if you're going to be playing a big game stack, that it should begin with Stafford and Cup and go from there. Head out to Pittsburgh for Steelers Raiders. There's a couple things in this game that just shock me. First off, the Pittsburgh defense special teams is only the 10th most expensive one on DraftKings at home in Pittsburgh against Vegas. Also, Najee Harris discount because, again, our theme, the knee-jerk reaction. Only 6.3 on DraftKings, 6.1 on FanDuel because of what happened last week against the Bills. But his volume is locked in there. I'm curious what you think with the Raiders going to Pittsburgh and how you would play this game. So I think that with this game, I'm not very interested in the quarterbacks. I'm not very interested in the game stacks. I like the idea of some skinny type of correlations going on. And my favorite one is Najee Harris with the Steelers defense paired with Darren Waller. I just, I cannot get enough of Darren Waller this week. He's priced well on DK and then phenomenally on FanDuel. He's 600 cheaper on FanDuel even. I just, I can't believe it. And then the other way that I think is kind of interesting, if you want to save salary, you have Harris in the Steelers defense. You can throw Brian Edwards in there who sort of came alive at minute 59 of the game and ended with over- While everyone was sleeping? Yeah. Well, most people weren't even watching. Yeah. He ended up with over 80 receiving yards for week one. Josh, he only had to end up with over 38 and a half, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Edwards looks like a nice play. 
especially on DraftKings, where if you're going to play the fringier receivers, that's the platform to do it. 3,700 there. And then I think the other way that you can play this is you can have, if you're going to play Kenyon Drake and you want to do something that other people won't be doing in a tournament, you can even play the the dreaded double running back. I think that's even viable where you have Harris and Drake in the same lineup because we know that Kenyon Drake is going to be very active in the passing game. And we know that Derek Carr loves those short and intermediate routes. That's why Darren Waller is always so heavily peppered. So I think that's kind of an interesting way to sneak in two running backs where we have just the phenomenal usage from Harris. He didn't come off the field for a single snap last week. And then you pair it with Kenyon Drake, who could be getting five, six, seven, eight targets. He had, I believe, five targets in week one with Josh Jacobs. So who knows what his ceiling is? It's kind of a murky situation. But if you're going to play Kenyon Drake and you're worried about that ownership, pair him up with, with Najee Harris. Why not? Or you can even go Kenyon Drake, Chase Claypool, Kenyon Drake, Deontay. I think there's going to be a lot of people where Drake enters their tournament lineup just as a one-off salary saver. So make sure that if you're playing Drake, you can you can pair him up with a Steelers guy to make sure that you add correlation and differentiation to your lineup. Kenyon Drake, folks, five targets, five receptions, 59 yards with Josh Jacobs on the field in a game now that they're probably going to be trailing. That is a great pivot that Josh mentioned that you should pay attention to. Two more, Eagles, Niners. Do you have a good way to get off of Elijah Mitchell? Yeah, so I think that we already had Chase Edmonds, who was a similar salary. And then we've added Kenyon Drake. And I just think both of those guys have much more upside than Elijah Mitchell. I'm not saying that you cannot play Elijah Mitchell, but I think he actually illustrates a good example of the difference between seasonal leagues and DFS. Elijah Mitchell, everyone's talking about, oh, he's a must-add on the waiver wire. You see people dropping copious amounts of fab to get him. And it's because that at least for this week, they're going to start him and you can expect that nice floor. That's often what you want in a seasonal league. DFS is another story. Elijah Mitchell is probably not going to offer anything in the receiving game. Mm-hmm. Trey Sermon is going to be active in this one. We don't really know what the carry split is going to be, but it is unlikely that Elijah Mitchell, just from a usage perspective, is going to get the type of usage that can bury you if you fade him in a tournament. Again, his price is attractive. He's probably not going to hurt your lineup. However, with how popular he's going to be, and in my mind, kind of the lack of upside in that archetype of running back, I think it's nice to be able to pivot off of him to Drake and Edmonds, Fournette even is a similar price. On DraftKings, actually, for only 400 more, you can go up to Damian Harris, who sneakily had three targets yep. and 20 carries. That is just phenomenal usage there. So I think there's a lot of ways where you can play a little Elijah Mitchell, but not get stuck in the 49ers running back trap where it's not actually a bell cow workload and the targets most likely will not be there. And our last way to be contrarian, people will look at Bears Bengals, say that the Bears got trounced by the Rams. Bengals look good against the Vikings. The recency bias of the bomb to Jamar Chase will linger, but you came up with a good way here to play Bears Bengals, something that's sort of under the radar. Yeah, I think kind of a a fun little skinny correlation that you can do here is we love Joe Mixon. We love that role. You can play Joe Mixon with Allen Robinson. I cannot remember the last time that Allen Robinson was this inexpensive. And people are going to look. They're going to see that the fantasy points were not there. They're going to see there was no touchdown. We know how week one works leading into week two. But you have to remember, he was playing the Rams, 
which meant he was getting shadowed by Jalen Ramsey. The Bengals, spoiler alert, do not have a cornerback anywhere near the level of Ramsey. I'm expecting a nice bounce-back performance from Allen Robinson. He commanded a huge portion of the targets in Week 1. Fully expect him to do that this week as well against a much weaker Bengals defense than what he faced in Week 1. So, very much looking forward to the the mix-in Allen Robinson correlation that I'm going to be sneaking into lineups whenever I have the salary to spare for that. There it is, folks. Your DFS rundown for the Big Tilt on Roto Underworld, sponsored by Underdog Fantasy here on the podcast to give you all the information you need to get those winning lineups on Sunday. Anything else, Mr. Larkey? We've gone around the league. I could talk to you for two more hours. I know. We we should just go player by player with all 300 <laughs> at some point. That'll be... <laughs> Always good to do this. We're on week two now. It's just going to get better and better as the season goes along. And make sure that you go to playerprofiler.com. Check out our new DFS module. We've got the lineup genius giving you the actual tournament lineups that Matt Kelly, the podfather, and I am going to be playing in DFS. We have our cash game optimizer where you can optimize your cash game lineups and choose who you're including and excluding. Include, oh, wow. Why is that hard for me to say? Including and excluding in your lineups and then let the optimizer do the rest for you. We've got the value finder and the upside finder. And these are tools I actually use. We don't put out tools that we aren't using ourselves. Do you want to know how I identified Anthony Schwartz? He's way up there on the upside finder. The Cowboys receivers, even with decent salaries, way up there on the upside finder. You have to be using these tools. You're going to get our underdog picks tomorrow so be sure to check that out this was great nothing else to say on my end i'm ready to make some money this week lineup genius player profiler tools big tilt underdog fantasy one-stop shop we'll see you in week three And I love that Sam Darnold had the one or two yard rushing touchdown last week to have to boost his fantasy points because now everyone's like, oh, Sam Darnold, he's good again. Look at those fantasy points just because he happened to punch it in from the one yard line.